You're listening to the Say Chill podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd. Say Chill is a social impact organization that helps people see who they're made to be so they can do what they're made to do. And one of the litmus tests you can, you can ask yourself of if, where is my unfinished business showing up, it's where your children can't laugh at you. Like when you're acting like a buffoon and they're not able to laugh at you, and the, like that you know you're in a place of unfinished business. A few weeks ago, I was uh, having a conversation with one of my sons and Heather in the kitchen, and we were going round and round, and Elijah said to me, he goes, you only listen when you're talking. <laughs> Thank you, Beth. <laughs> and I turned to Heather, and I said, is that true? And she goes, yeah, it's kind of true. And we had a big old laugh about it, right? Big old laugh. It still hurt. It still stings. Like weeks later, it stings. Right, well, good, I've got that, that business finished. But there are some things that are still not permissible to laugh at Dad about in our family. There's some stories they know to skirt around. And that's more to do with where I grew up than it is my relationship with my children, because I have a pretty open relationship with my kids. We do a lot of truth-telling, a lot of confrontation, a lot of, a lot of making up, you know, a lot of seeking of forgiveness with each other. But if the places where they can't laugh with me are the places where I'm still needing to grow and heal places I've still not surrendered to God, places that I've said are my territory to deal with God, I don't want you there because I really don't trust the story you wrote. Right? So a, a way to kind of identify these for yourself, you can ask yourself five questions. One is, uh, what are my ten most painful or shameful life events? And if you're over 18 months old, you've got ten. <laughs> okay? And if you've never made that list, I, I encourage you to go face, go face in your faith the author of your story, or the author of life, because you've got 10. And I would put shameful too, painful and shameful life events. Okay. Second question would be, how did those each affect me? So this is, this is really hard right here, by the way. Okay. And you'll run off like two or three, you know, and then you'll get to like four or five and you'll go, you'll usually put people say to themselves, that didn't hurt that bad. And they'll judge themselves for putting it on the list. I shouldn't be putting that on the list, you know. And it, now you know you're in the territory of your unfinished business, okay. Second, so the second question is, how did, each, how did each of those affect me? The third question is, what vows did I make about those events? See, we have, when these things happen, we often make vows against how God's made us. I won't let that happen again. No one's ever going to get to me. I remember being in seventh grade. There's a little girl I liked in seventh grade named Jenny Stallard. And we were talk, talk around the school was that I like Jenny and Jenny liked me, right? And so we were just doing seventh grade stuff. And I see Jenny coming down the hall. So I do what every good seventh grade boy does. I stick my head in my locker. <laughs> And I'm just going to wait till she passes. So she's coming this way. My locker's open. And I'm like, act like you're doing something in the locker. <laughs> I'm rummaging around, and I feel this presence kind of stop right behind me. And I'm going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then I feel my pants come down. Right? Because she liked me. So what is she supposed to do but pull my pants down in the middle of the main hall? 
And so I turn around with books in my hand, and I go, oh! <laughs> What's the vow I made? I will never like anybody again. I will let, uh, like, I will never let anybody know I like them again. But like that vow, like, and think, like, this is a little seventh grade story, right? I don't even know that that would make my 10 most painful life events, right? And that's awful. That's terrible, right? And so, so that question of where the vows I made, and then what have I had to do to maintain those vows? Like, what are the activities that I've had to keep? What are that? What are the? <coughs> that's a question. What have I had to do to keep these vows? Right. You know, so what we're talking about here is the structure, right? I turn from God. I make a vow to something other than God to maintain the status quo, and that thing ends up owning me. It's called addiction. Right. You know, and so what have I done to keep the vows? And then the, the last question is, what has this cost me? Right? And so if you want to, to do the hard work of beginning to name your unfinished business, this is a great list to spend time, time talking to your, with yourself about, talking to God about. And God is faithful to show you these things if you ask. And God is so gracious, too. He won't give you memories of things you're not ready to deal with. You know? And so if there's a memory lurking back there that you know is there that you don't want to face and because you know there's a lot more that goes with it, my experience of God is very faithful to only give you what you need to have in order to grow, in order to heal. And this is a great path to begin to deal with the unfinished business so that you can show up with your child in the reality, which is the next chapter, that life is tragic. Their life is going to be tragic no matter what you do, no matter how good of a parent you are. Something's going to happen to take their innocence. Even if Chip had never, if, uh, I'll tell you another story about that, because he's a man that would deal with those stories with his son, and he's one of my closest friends, when I'm coaching my son in, uh, he's probably in third grade soccer, fourth grade soccer, whatever it is the year before travel, right? And I was a college soccer player, like Division One college soccer player. I got a lot of my identity from, from playing soccer. I coached professionally for a few years, like, I love soccer, so when I had my kids, they're going to play some soccer, right? So my oldest son, he's playing, and, his t- and I was the new coach to the league, so they gave me all the other kids, right? <laughs> right? All the kids with the single parents, all the kids that, like, could barely get there on time. Like, it was, a, it was the motley crew inside this neighborhood of all these kids that have been together since birth, right? So guess how many games we were going to win? None. Right? And I've got this competitive son, and he's trying to, like, who wants to win? And he's a good player. And so we had my son that played defense, and we had this kid that didn't speak English play offense, a little Hispanic kid. He was, our, he was two years younger than everybody else on the team. He tried to score goals, and my son tried to stop them. Right? And so about five games into the season, my son is fed up. And he walks off the field during the game and says, I quit. And I'm like, one... Uh, I'm the coach, you can't quit, get out there, right? And he got, got back out there, finished the game, and we had it out in the car. And I'm going by my code. You can't quit till the season's over. You've made a commitment. You've got to follow through. What kind of person is this going to mean when you're growing up? These are good rules, right? So I call Chip and I say, <laughs> he's like, hey, Steven, calm down. <laughs> and I'm like, Chip, like, let me, let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you how I did it. And he said, hey, uh, 
can I give you some feedback? Which basically means I'm about to give you some feedback. And he said, he goes, he's eight, and it sucks. What would you think about him quitting if he wants to quit? And I would go, ah, he can't quit. He made a commitment. He said, no, Stephen, you're the grown-up. You made the commitment. You have to finish the season. Right? And, and what we got to is like, that's right. And mom's working on Tuesday and Thursday nights, and now we've got practice. So he's got to come with me to practice anyway. Right? He doesn't have to play. I, would, I didn't want to coach. These were terrible soccer players that did not want to listen, and their moms would, like, pull them out to give them extra water because they didn't want their children to sweat. Right? It was that kind of team, right? No, he's, my little son's like sweating. It's called soccer, right? It, but as I, so I went back to Elijah and said, hey, buddy, I talked to, talked to Dr. Dodd, and, you know, it's okay if you want to quit. But I've got to go coach, and Mom's working, so you're going to have to go with me. But it's, you can go play on the playground. You can do what you want to do. And he goes, no, I'll finish this. I'll finish it. No, really, son, you... It's don't finish the season because I said so. And he goes, no, I really want to finish it. Team sucks. And I'm never going to play soccer again. <gasps> okay, but if I hadn't dealt with my grief of my own coaching and been around a man who dealt with his grief, I swear my son would still be playing soccer. I, I swear he'd still be playing soccer to try to do something to make me okay. But because I let him quit soccer, my 14-year-old son and I are taking pilot lessons together. Like we're 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 do, we're learning to do something neither one of us know how to do together, which I which blows my mind, right? But it was his willingness to deal with how he screwed his kids up, <laughs> <laughs> which allowed me to like engage my kids in a different way, and and deal with my unfinished business out loud with them. Like that's the payoff. Because even if I had screwed that up, and I'm glad I didn't, because there's lots of other things I did. Life's going to happen, and life is tragic. You know, um, we, I, I said at the beginning of the night, four years ago, my son fell in a fire pit. It was awful. We, were, it was the, uh, we sent him to some friend's house for a birthday party, and Heather did all the right things, right? She called the house, and she talked to the mom and said, hey, you know, our son's never come, never come over there to play. Do you all have guns in the house? Right, and we we have guns in our house, but she was calling to see. We know our guns are biometrically locked down. She called, "Hey, y'all have guns in the house?" No, and then she did this thing that was so brave. She said, "Do y'all have pornography in your home?" Which talk about a woman calling another wife asking that question. I don't think the woman's gonna tell the truth or not. But that Heather had the courage to fight through that and ask the question. Like, and the mom said, "No, no, no. Thank you for asking that. You know, the kids, the computers don't have. The kids aren't gonna have access to computers. They're gonna be in the backyard playing." Like she did all the due diligence beyond what a mother would do but because we live in reality she we didn't know this family she made those phone calls which i thought was so brave and then she took our daughter uh out uh she was 13 like a mother-daughter date right because her birthday was april 3rd this is april 11th they went out like on a 13 year old mother-daughter date i took our twins to see a movie and then the phone rings about 10 minutes into the movie and you get the call you never expect you don't want to hear which hey uh, can you meet us at the hospital, right? So Heather and I race from different directions to the hospital, and we walk in, and I don't want to describe the, the sight. It was horrific. Um, and to see my son and to know there's nothing I can do, like he's in terrible pain, there's nothing I can do. And that was the easy part because the two weeks in the burn unit was the hard part. 
And we didn't do anything wrong. And we stayed with them in it, like the whole time stayed with them in it. And friends came and we prayed and I slept by his side. And then he slept in our bed for like a year trying to recover, right? And we would take turns, who's sleeping in the bed? And his innocence was shattered. Just life happened, you know? It's so sad. It's so sad. And I remember him, he had to walk around the burn unit twice for us to go home. And when you get a burn, it's not the burn that hurts, it's the skin graft they take where they basically take a human sod off your leg or off your back and they transplant it to the places that are trying to grow new skin. And so he, he had a quadrant of sod take, taken off his leg and he had to walk two laps around it. And there's nothing we could do to help him except encourage him and be there literally every step of the way. And he's like, I want to go home, you know, and just go around that thing. And the first day he made it halfway around. And the second day he made one lap. And the third day he made five laps. It was kind of because he was just so pissed at the doctors by that point. He's like, I'm going home today, you know. But the cost of him to find that place in him to go home was the giving up of his own innocence. So life is tragic. And, if, and our ability to stay with our children in the tragedy as opposed to try to fix their tragedy is, is the difference maker as parents which means we've got to deal with our own tragedy. We've got to be really good at doing our own feelings well, and we need the support of lots of people in order to do that. It, it, like the idea that it takes a village is true, but it really takes like, like a whole platoon of other parents that are like-hearted. of like-hearted parents. Because the thing that got me through the two weeks in the hospital were Chip and Phil coming to the hospital after work and sitting there. A couple other friends come and bring an ice cream at, at night and sitting there like those are the things that got me through were other men who I could cry with and pray with and uh, and be with in the pain of how terrifying it is to not know how your son's life is going to be altered forever and ever and ever for no one's fault except the fact that like life is tragic but the rest of the story is also really good God is faithful right and the Jewish idea of faithfulness is not like God is good the word faith in the Hebrew means to build out of wood. So we say life is tragic, God is faithful. What we're saying is life is tragic, but God is building something in it. That the tragedy doesn't take away the faithfulness of God. The fact that God is recreating over and over again His kingdom. But we have to know the recreation in our own stories in order to really believe that in our children's stories. Or we're going to do things like, like pad their rooms so they don't get cuts. Right? Like not let them risk so their hearts don't get broken. You know, not encourage them to try something that we know is going to be pretty embarrassing in the end. <laughs> you know, um, and so if we know that life is tragic and know how to walk through the tragedy with them, we'll be with them through because we can't keep them from it at all. And if they know we're that kind of person, they'll show up to us with it. If, they're, if we're not that kind of person, they'll go somewhere else. And sometimes those places aren't good. Sometimes they have people to go to. For me, teachers and youth directors and coaches got me through my childhood. Thank God God put them in my life, right? But other things that I'm not so proud of also got me through my childhood, you know? And, and so, like, they've got to have us dealing with our tragedy so we can be with them dealing with their tragedy so that we get to experience the faithfulness of God. This is Stephen James, the Executive Director of Sage Hill Counseling. Thanks for listening to the Sage Hill Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd. Sometimes in life, we get stuck or blocked or reach an impasse. 
At times like these, an intensive short-term therapy can help you overcome what's keeping you from the growth and changes you desire. At Sage Hill Counseling, we offer therapeutic intensives to help couples gain new momentum in their recovery process. If you want to find out more, please visit sagehillcounseling.com.